Hey you, thank you so much for listening. No matter when you are listening, no matter where you are, get comfortable. Get yourself a cup of tea, a glass, or an entire bottle of wine. Maybe smoke a blunt, get under a blanket, grab yourself some popcorn, and enjoy this week's episode of The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. I think we are live. And that means that due to the current situation in regards to COVID-19, instead of recording on location here in the Slut Show studio in Amsterdam, this episode is an Instagram live stream. Follow at the Slut Show with Alan Moore on Instagram to never miss out on any updates. And without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary beans and any and everyone in between. My name is Alan Moore and welcome to this Fourth, I cannot believe it's already the fourth one. This fourth live slut show um, streaming from Amsterdam. Today I will be joined by not just one, I will be joined by two fantastic women who are both mothers and they are way more than just mothers. Um, I will be joined firstly by Ren. She is actually the reason the slut show now exists and I cannot wait to introduce you to her. <laughs> yes, there hey. you are. Hey, hi. hi. Good, how are you? So good. <laughs> That's great. How was your day thus far? It was good, yeah, it was good. I feel like it just goes by in like such a haze. Like, you know, at the, the minute everything's over. just, yeah, literally. Right. Totally feel you in that one. <laughs> um, before we're going to get into all the goods, I have a little leader if my mic clip on mic wants to do it for me. There we okay. go. The Slut Show with Ellen Moore, the podcast slash talk show about shit you and I have to deal with on a daily basis. About feminism, insecurities, feeling like a bomb-ass bitch, and obviously about loads of sex. Enjoy your weekly dose of empowerment. Your weekly dose of empowerment. What is the most empowering thing you did recently? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's like not shaving, so not shaving like my armpit hair and things like that. Um, I like struggled so much with knowing whether I shaved like for myself or just mm -hmm. because I always have done. So probably that. How that about is you? so interesting. <laughs> I literally am doing the same right now. Oh my god. For the first time in my entire life, I am not yeah. shaving everything. Yeah, Legs, armpits, everything. Just to, yeah. for that exact same reason. Literally. Like, oh my god! <laughs> coincidence. I know it feels great. Like it really does. It feels really liberating to just be like chill. I used to panic so much about doing it, and <laughs> now it's just like ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> I remember being in high school and being like, oh, I can't wear a dress because I didn't shave my legs. And I now know. That's so great. Um, you, this is actually, I'm so happy to have you on this live stream with me. Um, oh. And I cannot wait to get into everything because you are actually one of the reasons why the slut show today exists. Um, oh. <laughs> because when I, when I found um, your Is It Okay Now movement campaign, mm -hmm. I, um, it sparked something in me that just made me realize feminism and all those kinds of things is what I'm supposed to be doing and what sets my soul yeah. on fire. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, what you are doing right now and what you did with um, your account? 
Yeah, so I started the account like a, like last year, I think it was, maybe around then, um, just because of like coming to terms with things that had happened in the past and really getting quite angry at how badly it exists in society. Um, so we kind of just, I think I just connected with like Schlocke and, um, and Joe as well, who's also going to be on here, um, and just a group of women and they really like inspired me to keep going at it because at the start I was really paranoid because like you get trolls and things and I got like worried about them stalking me and things but um um it just kept going so we did the hashtag is okay now movement because everyone was getting censored so heavily um and it just obviously wasn't fair for so many reasons and I researched into the science behind why the female nipple shouldn't be censored and why that's so negative um and how it perpetuates all these really bad things things and because I for those it, who don't know the female nipple is not allowed on instagram while the male nipple is yeah exactly exactly and people try and argue that it's because it's sexualized and things like that but so is the male chest um with their nipples but everyone's like always celebrating that fact and wanting to see it but yeah we're kind of shut down even though we're both exactly the same um, so I got, I just kept getting like more educated and angrier because of educating myself. Mm -hmm. I get so dumb to all this. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, at the minute I've kind of like stopped really because just a lot's going on at the minute in day-to-day -day life. So, right. um, but I'm still like always, the mindset is still there. So. That is so good. Welcome yeah. Maisie as well. Uh, she just joined in on the live stream. Um, oh yeah. So I'm very happy that she's watching, uh, at least. Yeah. Um, she was actually supposed to be on the lives today. Uh, that's not going to happen due to personal reasons. However, um, what you are here for, because that's way more than just being a mother, but you also are a mother and you're very young. Uh, can you take us into the process of how, uh, what it was like, how old are you, stuff like that? Yeah, so I was 17, I think, when I um, found out I was pregnant and I was like living in just like a house share with my boyfriend and stuff. Um, so it wasn't an ideal situation um, and I'm pro-choice. So I think mm -hmm. that everybody should have the option to get an abortion if they want. And um, I knew I had that option because I was living in the UK and things. Um, so I think I just kind of felt it was right. I'm not too sure. It just didn't feel scary or anything I was just like fully open and almost excited about it so cool. <laughs> um we just kind of went along with it so I like gave birth a week after I turned 18 to her so she's now wow. three <laughs> that is so young what was it like because I don't have any children and I'm not planning on having them anytime soon maybe ever I don't know yet um but what was it like to give birth at such a young age, but in general, because we're going to be talking to Joe a little bit later and she gave birth yeah. when she was in her thirties. So the difference is pretty big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was it like for you? Um, I think it was good. I found like I didn't get as informed as I should have been as a young mum by like the health professionals and things. So they didn't give me as much information because they kind of treated me like a child that had got myself into a situation almost. Um, like they were never judgmental, but they definitely didn't give me the options I should have been given. So I should have been told about the home birthing service and things like that. I was just mm -hmm. kind of, I felt like they almost 
always wanted to get me to birth in hospital because they didn't trust me to know my own body and things. Um, so it was interesting. Um, I didn't really get much judgment, which was surprising. Um, but it's been quite, I guess it has had its ups and downs because of being young, being like, um, not knowing what's normal and then feeling stigma from other mothers who are a bit older and might not you know kind of look at me like oh <laughs> they get a stigma there's definitely a massive stigma surrounding teenagers who are pregnant or have a baby for sure why do you feel like that is mm, um I think maybe it's just because we always used to um like a lot of people used to get pregnant young and they would often be much like from more impoverished areas and I think maybe it still kind of is that way so perhaps they look at you like you're you know you didn't really think or you haven't had a life or an education they assume you haven't got an education they assume you're from a certain background so there's a lot of assumptions made that you think make them very mm -hmm. judgmental yeah definitely definitely I, i think it will always remain a guess why people behave a certain way and obviously that is not your responsibility Your responsibility yeah. is your life and your choices. And uh, I envy you for uh, being here and raising your child and being such an inspirational woman to me. Um, oh, thank you. Really, really. <laughs> I'm so glad to be talking to you because you do so much and it's really great, especially with like your background in modeling and things like that. So the fact you've like taken a step out and you're, you know, talking about things that affect like so many people mm -hmm. instead of, yeah becoming like you know the the way they want you to be the industries and things so. it's hard i i feel like those are things you're facing those assumptions and those that, that judgment uh yeah. head on and i feel like that's something we relate in on a very different uh topic but i think that's yeah. also kind of what um <laughs> creates our bond in that sense we're both yeah. in the same war kind of <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. If we can put it like that. Um, so you are 20 years old. You're turning 21 in May, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I did my homework well. <laughs> um, you told me you're bisexual and uh, that you are currently in an open relationship. Can you tell me something more about that? Yeah, so um, I've always, I've been bisexual my whole life, like from a very young age. Um, and I sometimes, like, I know there's a lot of biphobia. I faced a lot of biphobia. And then um, also I'm still with the same partner I was with when I fell pregnant. So we kind of, I started looking into like the polyamorous lifestyle or like um, a friend of mine is polyamorous and they started talking to me and it really like struck a chord with me. Like this is a exactly how I feel and mm -hmm. I've really struggled with that and being able to be honest about it and being ethical and just sitting down and talking to my partner about how I miss like you know being with women or just having you know understanding that jealousy is actually quite toxic in relationships and mm -hmm. that's what the media wants us to believe that that's normal and that that's natural and of course jealousy is natural but it's almost like it's romanticized um okay. to toxic levels um totally, yeah <laughs> yeah so um we just sat down and had that conversation and obviously we still have our boundaries but it was um just really freeing to be able to just talk to somebody who you care about mm -hmm. and like 
be able to tell them that, you know, we still love each other, but this is natural to be attracted to other people or to want to have other experiences. So that was that. <laughs> I feel like that's also something that once more is stigmatized and there's a lot of taboo around that. And yeah. um, I feel like... Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, let me put it like that, but I feel like that, again, is uh, one of those things that you have to face head first, because if you don't speak about it openly, um, it's going to get worse, I feel. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it was a bit crazy. I was like, when I got with him when I was 16, I was just so opposite to what I'm like now. I was so jealous and so insecure and I was flipping out at him and essentially almost like emotionally abusing him, I think to a degree because of how clingy I was. And when I realized that was coming from a place of insecurity, it can actually make you feel a lot more confident if you know that it's normal to be attracted to other people and that's not like you know everybody we're just humans really aren't we mm. <laughs> so um how did you overcome yeah. that insecurity um I think like I got pregnant and then I had her and I guess um my life just changed so much because of having a child and growing up so quickly that I just kind of grew up I think in my head really so it was what do you feel like are the biggest perks uh, of giving birth and raising a child uh, from such a young age onwards? Um, I'd say maybe because you're young yourself, um, you feel that you can, you'll be able to deal with issues that are, you know, up to date. Um, you've experienced issues so recently that when your child, as she grows, you'll be able to know how to talk to them and how to just be more ethical about parenting, I suppose, because you're like on their level. <laughs> Is that something that you miss growing up from your own parents? Um, I suppose so, yeah. My my mum was also young when she had me, um, but I guess everyone's different and generations are different, really, aren't they? So um, I definitely feel like as growing up, I could, like, there could have been better ways of, like, dealing with things at times. <laughs> what, what would have been those better ways, in your opinion, in what situation? Yeah. Um, so when I was 14 and I was, uh, like, I fell victim to image-based sexual abuse and just, like, sexual exploitation, um, I feel like my parents' reactions, because they were just so shocked at what had happened, you almost feel like they're blaming you because they're so upset by what's happened that they almost instantly blame you because you took the pictures and you were so silly and, you know, that kind of opinion. Um, I still don't know whether that was their opinion, but I felt like they were angry at me rather than anyone else. So I feel I would have dealt with that situation a lot differently if it happened to my own child. Totally. I cannot imagine how that must have felt for you. Um, mm. I can imagine, though, how it shapes the way that you want to raise your own uh, little girl. Uh, you're yeah. raising a girl. And um, how would you... Uh, because you're very open about your sexuality and about your experiences yeah. and about uh, trigger warning rape culture. Um, and mm -hmm. those are things that I find fantastic. And I think it's so important to be so open about it. Also on the internet, knowing that it's not going to disappear 
knowing what it's worth um how do you feel like will that will that be part of sex education for your daughter how will you yeah. Um, yeah it, it definitely will be um I feel like hopefully their classes and school and stuff will be more up to date as well um by the time she's going um but I'll definitely always try and mention it like in a way that isn't like oh mum you're embarrassing in a kind of way you know to like just normalizing it from a young age I think is really important because then they don't feel that way when it comes to telling them as teenagers um I feel like I probably won't like it's really difficult because you don't want to be strict and be like no social media or internet until mm -hmm. you're whatever age but I'll definitely kind of have limits on it or at least give her the correct information and experiences that hopefully she will be as passionate about it so she will know and understand um and I mean at the like soonest sign of anything happening I would be able to tell her you know what's happening and how to get kind of help or show support to her that you know I never want to be like super overbearing um but I'll definitely tell her what's happening what's like you know against the law that she shouldn't be afraid to speak out or tell me about anything so I feel like maybe being really close with your children is good because then it feels like they can come to you with anything and talk to you rather than feel like you'll they'll get told off for it, you know? How do you balance that with restricting certain things on social media and what are the things that you would um, want to restrict her on? Yeah, um, I feel like maybe there'd have to be a bit of restrictions. It's so difficult because, <laughs> like, you don't want to be, like... Um, but it would probably be things like Messenger or Facebook for sure that would be, um, that's really like, you know, a place where people can be vulnerable. Um, and perhaps like Snapchat, all those sort of apps, you know, um, but then really anyone can start talking to them anywhere, really. Right. I mm. think that that must be so hard to let go of certain things even though you want to protect your kid from not having the same experiences yeah. that you have had yeah yeah exactly because you don't want to assume you don't want to live your teenagehood through them again like you don't want to make them terrified or like assume that they're going to experience that but I guess just giving her the facts and giving her you know knowledge is enough sometimes mm -hmm. to help them so what was your own sex education like? Um, it was really bad. I can't remember. Like, it was literally like two sheets of basic anatomy. And I feel like the anatomy was wrong because only recently did I learn that, you know, that the area surrounding the vagina is the vulva and the actual vulva is like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't what... know this yeah. either. I have I no know. idea. It's crazy. It's so bad. Like, we're just, oh, it's awful. And then, like, boys get quite a, you know, they can learn loads of stuff about what's happening to them. And then we're just left there. <laughs> There's people that message me being like, oh, my God, you're such a feminist. And I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm proud of it. And it's still yeah. needed. And they go, no, sexism is not something that happens nowadays. Oh, I know. And I look at them and I'm like, have you ever, like, opened your eyes yeah. and opened your ears exactly 
and that's just not true at all it's crazy like there's still pay gaps in some jobs there's still you know public street harassment happens every day <laughs> there's sexism on the, the social medias everything I, it it's is like ingrained in so many things that i yeah. feel like for people who don't experience it personally it's hard to take a step back and see it objectively as they don't experience it and then exactly. therefore assume it's not there yeah yeah that's exactly it <laughs> i think that's that's comparable to on a different scale but comparable to uh, racism in that sense when mm -hmm. there's people who have never experienced racism themselves and then they're like but it's not there because i don't experience it yeah yeah that's, that's, that's like exactly. that's like saying lions don't exist because i've never seen one I know exactly it's so true <laughs> it really is it's awful it really is <laughs> do you feel like you would have um raised your um because your daughter was born with the sex of a woman do you feel like you would have done things and you will do things differently because she is she is born uh an an anatomically uh female <laughs> instead of male sorry I just... <laughs> no, it's funny. Um, I think like I treat her quite equally so if I had a boy I treat him the same I'd raise him the same I'd I teach him the same things um because then that helps him not fall into doing that to other girls and also if he ever experiences things himself but um I think I'll always give her so I'll always be open to her being whatever she wants to decide to become or who she really is I'll always you know, listen to her. I don't, I think like the only difference would be the fear, you know, of anything happening to her because she is born a woman. Um, so other than that, though, I think I definitely treat her equally. I wouldn't, you know, not let her do certain things, for example. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting also to come to, well, you can't compare because every kid is different every parent is different uh but in that sense still sort of compare because um uh, joe being 20 years more or less older when she gave birth of uh, raising uh, a son um and what is something that you would like to ask her about that yeah yeah i'd love to ask her like um how is it raising a son how is it learning like did she always be aware of the sexism that's happening I, I know that she she worked a really like she was a businesswoman and before she had her son so I know she definitely was aware of sexism because women who work in business like really suffer from it um but like was she aware of rape culture and things like that or did how did you know how did she become awakened to that and how is she teaching her son about it I think those are very good questions. Joe, if you're still in the in the live, feel free to ask Ren about anything uh, that you feel comfortable about. Uh, in regards to raising a daughter um, or anything else in, in that sense, um, what is something that, um, for me, for me, sex education was for the biggest majority porn. Yeah. How do you think that um, in an ideal world, how would you like for your daughter to... Um, first see porn I don't know can, can you put it like that <laughs> um yeah I think so <laughs> um so was your question how would you like to seek <laughs> are you are you gonna like because I wonder about that are you gonna be like okay so there's this thing called porn and you can find it oh, here and right. here 
how is that gonna <laughs> Um, I think I'd tell her about like I would never be ashamed or be embarrassed about anything because I think we all do seek it out like when we're teenagers and things like that even mm -hmm. if it's a joke um, and I feel like I'd let her know about its existence once she's obviously of an age and that she can always if she sees anything that worries her or feels worried about anything because of it um, she can always come to me so right <laughs> That's that's, um, in, that's interesting. Joe's asking uh, if you yeah. worry about your daughter when she hits her teenage years. Yeah, I I definitely worry for her because I know what it's like, and I um I definitely as a sixteen year old walking down the street, I got catcalled more than like ever now. <laughs> now I'm a woman, um, so it's definitely worrying. But I feel like hopefully laws will be better. Hopefully, it's just a shame that I have to worry about her because I, um, but at the same time, I'm not going to tell her not to wear certain things. I'm not ever going to enforce those victim blaming, you know, methods on her. I'll just <laughs> give her the information she needs to kind of arm herself. That's amazing. I feel like that is something I never even really thought about that parents can also well, no, I did think about parents victim blaming, but not in the sense of don't wear that because. And yeah. I only literally now realize, oh, shit, when my parents told me that, that was not actually good parenting, if you ask me. No, no, not at all. No, I agree. Right. <laughs> do you do you have experience with that? Was that what it was like for you growing up? Um, not too much, but I do remember other people saying it and society thinking it about you um, and definitely a sense of, you know, um, not wearing certain things because or like parents saying, why would they let their daughter go out dressed like that kind of thing? And it's like, uh, it shouldn't matter, really. We shouldn't have to dress like no matter what we wear we get criticized so mm. um, not like it's never a reason for things to happen the blame should be going on to the men or whoever is perpetrating crimes um to stop 100 <laughs> percent preach it babe honestly <laughs> thank you this is like this is needed this is why Mm. The work you do and the effort you put in is so incredibly important. Thank you for sharing that so much. Um, I, I remember when I was, I think I was, it was the first year in high school. I don't know yeah. how old I was, like 12, 11, 12, maybe 13, um, along those lines anyways. And I was at like this music kind of course. Um, and I yeah. was like drumming with the like the the drum in between my legs you know one of those that you do with your hands I'm not yes. really coming up with the right words but you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and I had a relatively short skirt on and I yeah. had underwear on obviously like most people do um and so boys were looking at my skirt and I thought yeah. oh I should never wear a skirt like this again because otherwise boys will look up my skirt and it never not even for a second occurred to me that is not me asking for them to look. It's yeah. them looking. 
yeah exactly exactly that's it and they're just told like oh boys will be boys that attitude all over again and it's just it really annoys me because they should be taught differently um but no we're always the ones like I saw I was reminded of a really good quote again earlier it was like boys will be boys and girls will be punished so like we get punished while they (laughs) that was a very good quote yeah it's it's a sad truth but it's a very good one i need to be like i'm still learning as a feminist as well as a person Mm -hmm. um on many many levels i think that tiara is watching from contra art delete who check her page um (laughs) um, the other day we were texting and i said something in terms of um yeah, I'm, I've always been one of the boys, and she called me out on it, and I was like, ah, that is true, that's, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't even realize um, <laughs> that that was a thing, you know? Um, I think, Joe, you can't request to join because Ren is in here, but I will be rounding it up in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because in a second we will be t- talking to Joe from um, Living yeah. Heffy and Karina and the Moon, and um, she is a thirty-six-year-old. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Um, a mother, and she's way more than that. Uh, we're gonna get into that in in a second. Uh, thank you so much for joining me for this part of your life. Please ask any questions that you um, would like to. You inspire okay. me. Please keep being that exact <laughs> self because... Um, the same to you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank You're, you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Now you see behind the scenes that there's actually like... Um, what are they called? Uh, you, you chain your hands. Like the things cops use. What? <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Handcuffs. Thank you. <laughs> Um, that was my Dutch brain frying for a second. I think Joe's going to be joining us in a bit. Maisie was not able to join us tonight, like I already said a little earlier. Um, that is due to personal circumstances that I will not get into. However, what I will get into is um, a big fucking thank you to Maisie for designing the artwork for the slut show ever since we started. Um, I got into this whole feminist community, like I said before, um, when I was talking to Ren, um, due to the Is It Okay Now movement campaign, which is basically showing um, male nipples on top of female nipples to uh, show the utter ridiculousness of um, that women are not able to show their nipples, but men are. Um, and the sexualization that goes goes on in that. And then I kind of just rolled into this whole feminist community of women who are all so honest and open and um, real and genuine and who all fight against trigger warning, rape culture, and who want to, who all have one goal for sexism to fuck the hell off. And that just inspired me so much. And I I'm so grateful that I met Maisie through that, um, who makes incredible drawings. She's a super talented artist who draws um, very hairy females who are super in tune with their sexuality and who do and say and feel whatever they feel like um, 
in that very moment in a very respecting and inspiring way in my opinion it's it's so insane that there's people watching and then i don't know them and i'm like there's people who find this interesting that's so cool um just saying Lens. hey hi <laughs> we made it sorry about that welcome to the to the show anyway Thanks. cheers Cheers. I will do it with my water because I ran out of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm all right today. I'm having one of those lockdown days where I feel like I must up all the, this energy to like power through and then I'm kind of all right and then I have a day like today where I j it just feels like my batteries just fell out and I'm just like... I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm fine, but it's like, ugh, it's like such a hard slog. Like, I'm doing this. This is me like right. throwing myself over the fence, right. like to get over into the next day every day. So yeah. We're I'm still like, living I, in a I, pandemic. I, yeah. And I just keep telling myself this too shall pass. I'm waiting. Like a kidney stone. <laughs> like a kidney stone. <laughs> Speaking about health. Um, mm -hmm. You gave birth to your son when you were 31. Yeah, I just and... turned 31 like 10 days before. Oh, wow. Mm. And that was quite a traumatic birth, you told me. Can yes. you tell us some more about that? So my birth was um, what they would call high risk from the start because uh, he had opened his bowel in the womb. Um, I did the same to my mom. Yes, my <laughs> the lovely green waters. So that straight away puts you at a, like a high risk birth. So that means you are um, hooked up to all the machines and you can't really move. I wanted as natural as possible a birth. I wanted a water birth. You can't do any of that. See, when you're strapped to the machines, um, you can't move you can't get into any kind of um comfortable position and i know when i i did my live with ren way back when in the summer i think it was we spoke a lot about how a lot of the time um the more conventional um style of labor i, I know in uk hospitals isn't actually conducive to a comfortable birth so just laying down flat like that and trying to get a baby out is not it's not the best way to give birth to a baby it turned out that my baby was the wrong way around so he was back to back so what that means is that your the labor is a lot more painful and a lot of the pain is in your back I... um so yeah it, it went on for quite some time and basically he was he couldn't get out he was stuck but i did do most of that birth with just pethidin which is just just chilled me out it didn't take away the pain but I um my whole birth experience was quite like a hippie experience for me like I found it like quite spiritual almost I'd done a lot of preparation for my birth in terms of listening to like natal hypnotherapy and I like totally went into this zone I was so calm I'm normally like such a wuss I can't even have blood taken like well I can but I just hate it um but Don't yeah we all. It, was, it was very traumatic he ended up having to be pulled out of me like quite 
violently. I had to be cut. I had to have a midwife and my husband pulled my shoulders one way while a surgeon pulled my baby the other way to get oh him out. And I was like, I'm just going to be ruined for life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, but I'm here to tell everyone that... Um, <laughs> you don't you don't you're not ruined um even if you have to have your perineum cut <laughs> you can still be all right oh my god um, you yeah. have no idea how much respect it, i have for you do you know what it sounds so much worse than it actually is so i, I, I have did a have hard time believing that to be fair i did honest. have it i did have a traumatic birth but not for those reasons if that makes sense mine was more to do with the way i was treated in the hospital um i just wasn't treated very humanely there were about 10 people in the room there were four four men in the room while i was given birth right so then, and that's why it's just insane that we have all this performance on social media about censoring women's bodies and how women's bodies are like, <gasps> but yeah, well, there's four men, four of them. <laughs> four. <laughs> but I because feel like I was so, so kind dumb. of a metaphor for the way the patriarchy works on this, on this earth. Yes. Yeah. Totally. There was so much happening in, in, in that birth process that was not my choice. It ended, I ended up without a choice once it got to the end because my baby wouldn't have survived, basically. We had to get him out by that point. But there was so much that happened that wasn't my choice. Um, there was so much... Um, a lot of consultants coming in and out of that room. Wow, so I, I, I did almost deliver my baby naturally. So I'm there like on the bed, like trying to push a baby out, feeling that, so when you, you, I, I'm not gonna go there, <laughs> basically trying to push a baby out. And there's a man walking in and out of my room. I don't know who he is. He doesn't introduce himself to me at all he comes in and he speaks to the midwife and he speaks to my husband and he does not address me once how did you not shoot him on well, the spot i was like on gas and air at this point like there could have been aliens in the room i didn't really care but the midwife actually apologized to me and said i'm so sorry that he's just come into the room and he's just speaking over you um but yeah that's we we digress um it was a traumatic experience, but it was kind of an empowering one at the same time because I you did show yourself that you did do it. Yeah, and it's it's honestly not a scary experience. People want you to believe that it's scary, and they want you to believe that you can't do it, but you absolutely can. We're made for this. I have a hard time believing, exactly. but we're made for it. And we're like one of the very few um, species in the world that require us to like go into a hospital and be like tied down to a bed and have men walking in and out of our room and telling us, no, you need to have this yes, painkiller now. And they really tried to push me to have an epidural as well. So I didn't want to. So I, I, I didn't want to. This is this talking now. So I didn't <laughs> feel it. But I, I kind of had this weird thing in my head that I wanted to feel... Um, 
it because I wanted to be able to like push at the right time and I wanted to be able to work with my body not against it mm -hmm. let's say that's that's a very zen and calming mindset to go into giving birth congrats yeah. on this is totally not me that. at all to be honest <laughs> It's not, it's totally not my vibe ever. I'm normally such a panic head, but I'd read so much about um, natural childbirth and also that, that what needs to be in play and what hormones you you need to be producing for um, birth to happen, basically, and to progress. And I went in with the mindset that fear and panic and fighting my body isn't going to be good for giving birth. Absolutely. I believe that fear, strongly. Fear and stress actually, yeah, fear and stress actually slows the labor down. And I knew that I knew that I had that in my head and I didn't want to go into that room with that. So that's why I was all like, get those drugs away from me. Stop interrupting me. Stop talking to me. Let I'll me just be. do my, yeah. Right. You um, are raising a boy because mm -hmm. when he came out, he turned out to be a boy, by sex at least. And um, I just talked to Ren about raising her daughter. Yeah. What do you, do you feel like? Um, what I asked Ren as well. Do you feel like you're raising him differently because he is growing up in the sex of a man? Um, uh, probably. I wouldn't. I don't think I'm making any kind of conscious decision I'm probably raising him differently because I am not a male and I haven't lived a male experience I am raising him as a woman consciously and wanting him not to not for any woman to experience from him what I have experienced as a woman let's say that mm -hmm. so yes maybe in that respect I am in terms of anything else in terms of what his interests are what he plays with what he does with his time what his likes and dislikes are that's all that's all irrelevant it wouldn't be any different if he, if he was a boy or a girl but it is like, in my mind that he's a boy yeah of course do you feel like um giving birth at 31 in comparison to Ren giving birth at just 18 years old do you feel like um that was beneficial for you your your older age in comparison uh, or do you feel like you maybe would have rather done it earlier if you would have had the choice? Um, I don't know, really. I think it's all all about personal context, context and whatever you might be experiencing at that time in your life. I know when I had my son and I, I spoke to my health visitor after I had my son, she said she often sees younger mums almost take to it better than older mums because what happens with older mums and I'm going to do that um, mm. is that when you are an older person depending uh, context depending you are more likely to be maybe in like a career and settled and you kind of have your ducks in your in a row and you know what you're doing with your life and suddenly you're a mum and, and everything that you know goes out of the window and I think maybe as an older mum you maybe have a higher expectation of how you might handle becoming a mom um and i don't know if i agree or disagree with that but i think in my situation that was probably true i think um i don't know what these bangs are doing look um 
You look fabulous. <laughs> I think I I went into motherhood thinking I'm gonna smash this. This is fine. Like I was quite settled in my life. I wasn't in a job I particularly enjoyed or wanted, but I was settled in my job. I had a decent income. Um, I was with um my husband we'd recently bought a house I was in a very conventional setting at that point um I really wanted to be a mum and actually when I became a mum I was not all over it I was not shit hot it was hard and it was and I I've been quite open I know with you previously that I really struggled with my mental health when I had my son and it was like just the the rug being pulled from under my feet I guess um and I don't I don't think the fact that I was older helped in that situation I think there was maybe more of an expectation on me to be better to cope better which is completely wrong like becoming a mum is a difficult thing regardless of the time of life that you have your child mm -hmm. um regardless of anything it's a hard thing to do is yeah it's really hard and i think i underestimated how hard it would be to do it on my own in the sense that i'm not on my own i'm not a single parent i'm with my husband but but on my own in terms of the support so i was new to the area i didn't know anyone in this this my small area none of my close friends live near where i live and all of my family are like a three-hour drive away so it was literally just me and this baby mm -hmm. day in day out my husband was in a new role at work, so during the the early days, it was me up all night with the baby. He didn't feed, he had loads of feeding issues, he had loads of sleep issues, and I never slept in the day, and he wouldn't nap unless I held him. So it was literally just me up all day, all night with this baby, but also suffering quite badly with my mental health. Um, and I can not imagine seeking, why. And, and me not, not identifying that, I had that issue at that time so not seeking any support and hiding it from everybody and just being like locking myself away in this little house um so yeah I, I can't remember what question you asked me now but <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing so honestly and openly anyways um because it did answer the question that I forgot I asked too uh, <laughs> but that's fine oh my god we're back Oh, this has never happened before. This is horrible. Okay, so um, my connection dropped and I'm sending a request and I had to move because my connection is only here. Wow, going live on a whole nother level. <laughs> I can't even, I'm sorry. All right. Can you hear me? I can. Welcome back. <laughs> It's so fun. We've got like seven minutes left now. Oh my god! I feel what? robbed by what technology. A... I do too. What a <laughs> fun load of technical issues, man! I am not where I usually am, but we'll have to we'll have to deal with it anyways. Um, so, what I wanted to ask you was, um, I know that you have irritable bowel syndrome, mm -hmm. and that you also struggled with um eating disorder kind of behavior and we talked about um how one and the other interacts with each other how do you can you tell us some more about that yeah and i think this is probably something that is worth us talking about again 
maybe on a, a different yeah um because i think it's quite a big one so i have had um ibs for about 11 years but um have suffered quite badly with it in the last since i had my son um mm. and i also became caffeine intolerant after i had my son as part of my ibs um so yeah probably the last two years has probably been the most difficult and it's and it's had the most profound effect on my mental health and it's had the the biggest impact on my relationship with food so I've always had a weird relationship with food a lot of guilt around what I'm eating um but with IBS as we've discussed you can kind of go from almost like one extreme to another can encourage really good eating and really good eating habits but it can also encourage really dangerous ones and it, we can be driven to a point where we, we are eating unhealthily or not eating at all so I I got to the point where because my my triggers were ever changing and, and my IBS was becoming so debilitating and I almost felt like I don't want to leave the house I don't want I to, eat. I didn't want to eat anywhere. I'm obsessed over every single thing that goes in my mouth, mm -hmm. which is not a good relationship to have with food. I think the other element, which we didn't pick up on when we had our chat before, was around one of the symptoms of IBS being when you have bloating and wanting to go out and look good. But if I'm worried about like going out for dinner and then going out afterwards and like wanting to wear a cute outfit and I just barely ate for like the days leading up to going out because if I don't eat anything then I can't blow we didn't do a trigger warning um but yeah that I'm not saying that I I was not anorexic and I was not starving myself but there's certainly times where I have avoided eating because it's just easier to not eat than to risk eating the wrong thing, let's say. We're going to get into this 100% in another episode in in more depth because um, trigger warning, even though it's really fucking late, but um, <laughs> uh, I suffer from anorexia. I'm a survivor myself, mm -hmm. and I also have irritable bowel syndrome, and I feel like one triggered the other, making the other worse. It's kind of a spiral that is very hard to get out of, yeah. Um, for now, I hate it, but uh, Instagram is going to cut me off if I talk over <laughs> an hour, which we discovered a couple of weeks back. That was fun. That was interesting. Kiara, if you're still watching, that was great. <laughs> um, anyways, I'd love to have you back on the show to discuss that in more detail and to also uh, discuss way more about raising a boy because I think it's a very interesting subject <laughs> and you are a very interesting woman who I grew to adore. Um, that being said, thank you so much at home for tuning in for this week's A Live Slut Show. Even though there were some technical difficulties, I hope you enjoyed. I sure as hell did. Um, next week, I will be back, same place, same time, and I will be joined by Anal Princess and BDSM Bad Bitch Hannah. If you like this episode, I am sure you will love season one and two just as much. So head over to youtube.com slash more or listen to The Slut Show on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to support The Slut Show, head over to my Patreon page and follow 
not just the two of us, but also Ren um, on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you at home for watching. And for now, Sluts, sluts out! out. <laughs>